I'm Brandon Reed, and you're listening to Real Estate for the Rest of Us, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the world of real estate investing. I want to cut through all the industry jargon and instead serve up actionable and unintimidating information that you can use in your own real estate journey. I interview real estate professionals, and we talk about their real-life experiences. It's real simple. Now let's get into the show. In today's episode, I talk with Janet Fields. One of the primary obstacles that investors inevitably hit is the question of, how am I going to manage my properties? To be honest, this is the thing that stops most people from ever investing in real estate in the first place. They don't want to fix toilets at 2 a.m. or spend their Saturdays patching a new hole in the wall. But it doesn't need to be that way. There are companies that have dedicated themselves to alleviating that burden off of investors. Well, Janet's company has done exactly that. I loved hearing from Janet's perspective on finding a good home that will rent most consistently, as well as her analytical and objective approach to evaluating the right tenants. As she puts it, the numbers tell the story. I couldn't have agreed more with how she and her company approach the services that they offer for their clients. Hearing from someone with such a depth of knowledge on a topic that every real estate investor has to eventually confront was invaluable. I know that everyone who listens to this episode will agree. I hope that in this interview, you find practical insights that you can learn from or directly apply as you continue on your own journey in real estate. And now here's my conversation with Janet. All right, guys, welcome. Today we have Janet Fields with us. Janet, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you, Brandon. Good. Awesome. Thanks so much for taking the time today. Um, It's great to see you. Great to uh, spend some time here today kind of digging in and learning more about your journey, what you do. Um, And I'll just let's just dig right into that. Let's let's get started with kind of your background first. Um, How did you get to where you are now and what you're doing now? We can talk about a little bit more about what you're doing here in a second. But how did you get here? What does your journey in real estate look like up until now? Um, It really feels like I was born in this this real estate life. My father came to Charleston with the Navy back in the 80s. Um, I was one of the last children born here. Um, The other ones were born in other like base areas for the Navy. Uh, My dad, he got really interested in buying and selling properties along the way every time he moved to a different location. And when my mom decided that Charleston was going to be the place to stay that she was like, well, we're not going to sell this house. So you got to go get this out of your system some other way. So he did. He got his license and he started buying and selling for other people, helping them. And then um, along the way, he started picking up his own properties and we would flip them as a family over the summer. He would manage them. Eventually other agents came to him and was like, Hey, would you help manage these? And he's like, yeah. So it was early on a family affair. Uh, he started his own property management company in 09, and we were stuffing envelopes. We were migrating from one database to another. Uh, we were collecting rent. I mean, we have always been in it. It's just always been part of our life, and we didn't even know it. The back of his trunk was always rattling with signs, and the front always had like, you know, the Diet Coke cans and the lock boxes. Yeah. Yeah, the bag phone. Nice. Yeah. All right. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Okay. So cool. So kind of your whole family. And so what you're doing now, is it still, or is it your family? Is it a family business or you guys? So now um, it's mostly my sisters went into other fields, okay. um, but my dad, he has been pretty active in real estate um, up until about the last, you know, seven years or so. So now it's me um, and we have ownership together of the company cool. and I run it. 
Um, but it's, it's now really just me. Eventually I'd like to show my children how to, you know, start businesses. I don't know if, um, they will run a property management company, but I'd like to show them the power of investing yeah. in property. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. So let's talk a little bit about what you guys do. Um, uh, and then we can kind of, I have questions around that. So yeah, what, what, what do you guys do? Tell me a little bit more about your business. Okay. So we help homeowners, um, manage their properties. We help investors manage their properties. So when investors, they come to us, they say, Hey, I don't actually want to do this. I just want the passive income. I want what, you know, the mailbox money. And we say, absolutely. We got this. So we just pick it up from there and we just relieve all those tasks because basically what they are, are tasks. So we market the property. We make sure we get the appropriate resident there with low risk, low tolerance, um, get it rent it as soon as possible to reduce that vacancy rate and then keep them in there and keep them happy to get the low lease renewals. So what we're really trying to do is have a really efficient machine where we can help investors um, make money by controlling their loss and reducing their liability for them. That's amazing. That's, I just I know so many investors out there who somebody with that kind of niche expertise would be invaluable. I mean, how, how many, i um, curious to know how many of your clients are like professional investors. That's all they do. They have a portfolio of 10, 12, 15, whatever plus properties. And how many is it just like they just had one house they didn't want to sell and they hung on to and they just don't want to deal with it? Yeah. So a majority of our portfolio is the accidental landlords who are yeah. the people who you know just moved. Um, that would be about 80%. Our target okay. um, investor is a real investor who has about 10 uh, more properties. And they might not all be in our area, but we do have a few of them in Charleston that we manage. We do want to follow our investors in the future. So if anybody wants to give us a call, oaktrustproperties.com, we'd be happy to follow them wherever they are. Awesome. Um, yeah, definitely the intentional investors, we do work with them very well. And that's we're there to support them. They're, they're who we want to support. They, they know what they're doing and we know how to support them. They're predictable. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, well, that's, th yeah, that's just fascinating. I, I think that it's really neat how um, you guys have specifically niched down to, I mean, I looked at your website and there's just so much about specifically, we we want to help and serve the investor. Um, and I, I don't think everybody niches, you know, all the way down to that. As you, as you talk about, as we think about investors, obviously they're holding these uh, rental properties, they're renting to tenants. Um, one thing I'm curious to know as far as the expertise you've gained over the years of uh, owning, running this company is um, when when people are looking, so if if, if my listeners are, are looking for a property, maybe they're first or they're just trying to grow their portfolio and they're looking for the right fit for a house that would work well for a rental. I mean, mm -hmm. what are what are they looking for? What do people need to be looking for that you've seen your clients have the most success with? You just see people come in the door and if they have this kind of property, that tends to be most successful. Okay. Uh, that's a good question. Um, I think there's another question that you might want to start with before you start looking for properties too, yeah. is you want to know what you can afford, what all the costs involved are with a property, managing a property. And then um, what's your risk tolerance? Are you somebody who can handle losing $10,000, $20,000? Or do you need to know how much you're going to make at the end of the day and right. have like very little fluctuation? So once you get those answered, uh, then you can start moving forward. But uh, the looks of the property really are not as important as the numbers. Um, the looks of the property end up being more distracting than what the numbers tell. Hmm. They tell a, a much better story of like how profitable this property can be and how successful it can be. So what we see is a pretty standard. Um, the physical house itself is three bedrooms, two baths, two car garage, fenced in backyard. 
That's what people want. They definitely want an open floor plan. Um, And investors appreciate um, easy care. So like if you put down LVT flooring, just paint cabinets, stuff like that, that's that's good return. Um, Now, when you start looking into the areas, you want to go to places where there's amenities. You want to go where the market is moving, where the market is strong. So the same places that are popular where you live, um, you'd want to look at markets that are performing that are close to um, all these amenities like restaurants and shops and parks and the great school districts. All those things that you would most likely want are the things that they're going to want as well. Well, uh, that's interesting. The, um, so you you say that um, the best areas to rent are the best areas that are also hot for sales for retail. Mm-hmm. Um, no, for uh, residential sales. So okay, right, wherever right. residents would want to live. Right, renters, that's what I mean. I'd say, yeah, I admit, yeah. Yes, the retail sale. Yes, residential. Exactly. Yeah, so if if, you, if people are buying homes in that area, typically that area will rent well because it has all the same stuff that anybody living there to buy that are buying would want. Schools, absolutely. Stores, yeah. So renters come in all different income levels. It's not like the old story we've heard decades ago where people rent because they have to rent. People rent at a choice. They rent for flexible lifestyles because their jobs asking to be here for one to two years. They rent because they want to. It's not a necessity. You have to have just as good as credit to be able to rent a property as you do buy a property. Now, there's less cash on hand, but you still have to have the great credit. Yeah, for sure. Um, And I love what you said about numbers telling the story. Um, Talk a little bit more about that. What kind of numbers are people looking for what no, what what things are people evaluating to look at numbers i mean if talk to me like i just don't know anything and i'm like i don't i'm just going to buy the house what am i even evaluating yeah so you're going to want to know how much money you can put down on the house what your interest rate's going to be and then you're going to want to know about taxes in that area you're going to want to know um, what's going to cost for a real estate agent if you're going to be using one you're going to go find a, uh, an agent who is an investor agent as well not just a run in the middle yeah. residential Mm-hmm. Um, the other numbers you're going to look at is cost of managing the property. Are you going to have a team around you? Are you going to have a Tandy man? Are you going to have um, an agent? Or are you going to hire a property management company? Um, so all those things you want to know about vacancy, a lost um, cost of supporting your team. Uh, I think I said that one already. Yeah. So there's yeah. a lot of costs that just get wrapped up there. Maintenance, unexpected and uh, predictable maintenance. There's a lot of costs that you want to start putting down. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Maintenance is a good one. Something that people don't do, man. When I, when I was first learning into real estate investing, which is just a couple of years ago, I'm no seasoned pro, but like I, I, when I was looking through, um, it's, it was so hard for me, honestly, Janet, it took me a long time to understand that when people gave numbers of their margin month to month, they weren't baking in any of that. Like they were like, Oh, I'm making $400 a month on this property. And I'm like, I'm not finding anything with that kind of margin. Like what are these people? And then, cause I'm, I'm cutting it. I'm even putting in CapEx. Like, I mean, that's all decisions you can make, but I'm putting in these, um, these things that eat into my margin and I'm scraping mm-hmm. by with $125 a month, just barely black. And I'm like, where are these people finding these deals? But nobody talks about those things that, that yeah, need to be end. put away. That's right. That's right. So, um, you know, as we as we talk about that, those things that kind of have to be baked in so that we know so that, you know, you can be safe month to month and um, re- remain in the black. Um, what typically does somebody need to be putting in as an as a evaluation or a placeholder for a property management company? What's typical? Oh, um, in the front end, it depends on your market. The. Leasing fee is one of the biggest fees, and you can see those all the way from 50% to 100%, depending on your market and state. Leasing um, fee being? 
the leasing fee is the fee to market the property. Okay. So once we put the property across the internet, we say, hey, it's it's listed. All the other agents in the in area have access okay. to it on MLS, Zillow, all that. So uh, we make it look great. It's a package. It's a product at that point. Nice. Um, so that costs uh, good money. And then we're feeding um, our pipeline of applicants that are coming through and that costs money. So we're constantly going through applications um, and then just guest cards, people who are asking about your property. They want to know, um, you know, how big is this property? Is there an HOA? Uh, do I have access to the pool? You know, when is the pool open? Uh, can I have dogs? Can I have six pit bulls? Uh, can I have my assistant animal? So we're asking all those questions for you. Um, and trying to find the the right resident. So as the applications come through, hopefully there's a really uh, rigorous process that somebody is reducing your risk by going through this process the same way every time to make sure that they can um, disqualify. This yeah. is probably not the right word, yeah. but you know, no, yeah, uh, I get, it. Yep. get rid of the people who are not um, to the best quality, who don't with the least amount of risk. So those are the people that you want. So that's what you're paying for is you're paying for somebody to look out for you, to do the front end work, because if you don't do that front end work, the rest is just going to fall apart. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So many people don't, so many people don't treat it like treat this, this little house that they have, you know, typically, like you said, 80% are just kind of the accidental landlord. They don't treat it mm-hmm. like a business. They don't see it like a business. They're just like, I just, uh, and that, that gets so, so many people they, in trouble in different ways. Exactly. I hear a lot of um, people who DIY, they take their applicant out to lunch and it's like an interview for a job Uh and they fall in love with the person's personality and they're like, oh, they're a good person. Oh, they're just going through a rough time. It's like, yeah, but their credit story says they've been going through a rough time for 10 years. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Very interesting. Let's let's talk about that tenant. So I I actually um, uh, my wife and I house hacked this house that we're in now and we uh, flipped it over last year. We're moving. We're trying to do this three times before we buy a property for ourselves, and so we're headed. We just bought another foreclosure, and we're we're doing it again. So this is the first property we'll be renting, and so I'm think this is my headspace right now as tenants, and like mm-hmm. we're we're not there yet. We're rehabbing the other one, so we're gonna move out. We're not yet looking at tenants, but I'm like, oh my gosh, where do I even start? Because I've heard all those horror stories. People yeah. are just like, man, this is such a nice person, um, no. and then they just get stuck. <laughs> they get so no. stuck, and so you want their baseball card, you want their stats, their right. hard numbers. That's a good way to say it. That's a good way to say it. Yeah. And so someone like you who can come in and say, listen, I know those numbers that I, cause I, I don't even know where to start with that. I don't know what numbers mm-hmm. to look for. I don't know what even that, that baseball card would be populated with. Oh yeah. And so that, that sounds so, um, so valuable. What are some of those things? What are you looking for when you look for a good tenant? How can somebody know they're somebody that will be good or not? Yes. So the basic things that are pretty, um, across the nation are three times, uh, monthly income is what you can afford a third of that for your rent. So 30% of your income goes towards your housing. If you can do that, you're on your way. The next thing is um, the credit. And credit score depends on uh, the business, the risk, uh, the area, all that. Um, Our properties, we have a higher uh, credit score need. And then as it steps down, the security deposit bumps up. Um, it's clearly written on our application. If you'd like to check it out, it's bullet pointed all the constraints. So, um, anybody who would apply would know before they even apply and put money down. Um, 
There's also, we want to know if there's pets. We want to tell everybody who's an adult who's in that property, they need to have a background check. So they have to turn in an application. So we're doing background and credit on everybody who's 18 and older. It doesn't matter if you're a student. It doesn't matter if you're dependent. We need it. And that helps reduce your liability as an owner because we know everything that we can possibly know. Um, we There's a lot of other things we get into. Um, the there's the animals. That's yeah. a fun one. Cause <laughs> yeah. you know, not everybody wants a ton of animals, but if you say no to animals, you're saying no to like 75, yeah. 80% of the market. Yeah. So you don't want to do that, but you can put um, fees on that to help alleviate any costs, which if there's good credit, there won't be cost. Um, mm. If a resident who has great credit and their animal damages the property, you know, from their baseball stat card, basically that whenever they make mistakes in life, they pay for them. Mm. They're good for it. Mm-hmm. So you just know that the security deposits there. And if that dog chews up the baseboards, you know, there's a couple thousand dollars to fix it and it's only going to be yeah. 800 bucks. So you're good. Yeah. Um, back to the original question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. I, I love the way you're putting that and how, uh, objectively, um, no, so yeah, objectively you guys look at it, you look at it as, as stats. And because if you start, if you start getting into, um, how you feel about them personally, that can just get you, I know in a lot of trouble pets oh, yeah. is an interesting one. I mean, they're, yeah. Like you said, if you say no to them that I think a knee jerk for a lot of landlords is like, Oh, I've heard so many horror stories about pets. I'm just not gonna do pets. Yeah. And then you look into it and you're like, man, that is so much of the market. What is the best way to manage that? Is it to say yes, but then just yes. have a security deposit? you say yes and you already have a security deposit so what um the there's a few common ways to go about it you can do pet rent which is a certain amount that they're paying for that pet the tricky part about that is if they get rid of their pet or their pet's deceased now Mm -hmm. you have to have that conversation so you already have to know what am i going to do if this happens um and then the other one is you can pay um a pet fee well a pet fee is a one-time thing that you don't have to give back. It's not a security deposit. Security deposit, if nothing happens, you give it back. And then there's the other one where it's a pet deposit. A pet deposit is the same as a security deposit, but it's only for the pet and it can only be used for pet damage. So if you have a security deposit and it doesn't cover the pet damage, you have an extra, you know, 200, 500, whatever you decided was needed. Um, What we like to do in our company is we just have a flat fee that goes for it. And it basically says, are you willing to pay X amount of dollars for your pets? If you are, you're probably good because your credit says you're good anyway. Um, and we just, you know, bank that fee. Um, and we give that back to our owners, uh, in the long run. So the pets, they're really not that big of a deal out of about five, 600 properties that we typically manage. We see maybe one to two uh, pet damages a year and they almost never exceed the deposit. Almost never. It's, it's very rare that it happens in it that comes back to your yeah. application progress. That's right. That's right. I was, I was going to say that, that there's got, there's no way like pets ruin everything. They damage everything. Right. But if you are, when you go to your you, friend's house, right, right they're always right, ruined. Right. They're always, but then, but if you are looking at people exactly like you said, who take care of you, the details of their life and t- typically that pans out in credit, um, then, then in general, they're taking care of stuff, which is just exactly. I think um, the pets, it's just a really great story to talk about how destroyed your house is. It's sensational. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's something that people talk about. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And do you, do you, does that, uh, last question about pets is, does that fluctuate? Does that any of the deposits or um, any of those things fluctuate based on type of pet? Um, well, that's a tricky one. So if you go type of pet, um, then you're opening up a conversation, yeah. a debate almost with a resident. Totally. So 
what we find is easier to put a number on it. And the good number is to find whatever pet that you do not want to approve and you get like 10, 20 pounds under that. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah, then you're saying sense. no to it without having a conversation afterwards. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, well, okay. Let's, let's pivot a little bit and talk a little bit more about the, the business in general. And I'm curious, Janet, to know a little bit more about where you guys, where, where are the real sticky points for you? What do you find as you guys manage, uh, investors properties, what, where's the, where's the trickiest part of that for you guys? What are you constantly coming back to is like, we've got to, we've got to do this better. We've got to figure out how to, is it marketing your own business? Is it as, is you're managing the properties dealing with the pets or is it always the tenants? What, what do you think is the most, the most difficult part? Um, people in general, people in general, there's a hundred different personalities. You don't know their background. So you don't know where they're coming from all the time. Um, you don't know what their day is like. You don't know what their month was like. And especially in today's climate, that's where we are Mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. a lot of people are frustrated and they don't even know why. Um, so we are, uh, basically walking people down off the cliff a lot Uh right now. Uh And it's from, uh, residents to applicants, to owners, um, a lot of people are stressed out and um, we get a lot of apologies afterwards, which is, it's nice to know that it's not us. I mean, yeah, that's one of the things yeah. we have to remember is like when people yeah, are fired totally. up, it's not always us. But honestly, the the hardest part about everything is the personalities, the people yeah. and the stress that they carry. Yeah, I bet. I bet it, any business dealing with people has its complexities. And you, that's like all you guys do is deal with yes. people. Um, that's the crux of it. So it's interesting. Um, I was going to go somewhere else with that. Um, we were talking about people. Um, oh, something else was in my mind about that specifically. Oh, I'll, I'll move on to the next question. Um so as you as you have um kind of grown this grown this business and dealt with these um all these different complexities of this business, you know, you had mentioned that that's the most difficult part was, was the people, but you're finding these, you're finding these, how are you finding these people is my question. That's what I'm after. Like you're, uh, are you just market? Are you going in the mail too? Are you direct marketing? Like, how are you finding tenants? Um, ah, tenants. Okay. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of people we deal with. Oh, we right. Have right. Tenants. Applicants, we have the tenants, <laughs> we have the clients, then we have, you know, staff. Yes. True. So, um, so tenants, uh, they actually come to you. Once you have um, the property marketed, you have access to all these agents who are they're pounding the pavement to go look for buyers and owners or not owners, sellers. Um, And then there's people always actively self-serving themselves to go look for properties and they know where to look. They look on Zillow. um, They look on Hotbeds. They look on Trulia. They look in all those places. And we syndicate to all those places through our our background, um, cloud-based, whatever. Mm -hmm. So- yeah, they they come to you, um, and once you've been established long enough, you have a name and a reputation, and you know a Google rating, which everybody that's what they want to see. Yeah. Then they start leading to you faster. So we have a pipeline of applicants that are coming through all the time. It is insane the amount that we've done in the past two years. It, mm. We doubled um, our 2019. Wow. Yeah, it's been crazy. So um, they're actually we don't have to find them. They find us because mm-hmm. they are in need of a property and they clearly yeah. know they need it. Now, clients is a little different because uh, property management isn't an industry that people, you know, you go to school and you're like, oh, yeah, property management. I want to do that. Right. So right. it's not even like a well-known industry. So as you learn about properties and you have your first home and you're moving and you're like, I want to keep this, I want to rent it. Your agent's like, 
hey, do you want a property manager? That's usually like the first time somebody hears about it or somebody's dad mm-hmm. down the road owns a couple of houses, you know? Yeah. But that's how we find them as um, it's self-motivated. Now yeah. through clients, it is harder. Um, it's much harder. Yeah. And let's talk about that. How are you finding them? Yes. So uh, we actually do marketing. We do online okay. marketing. Uh, the podcast definitely helped. Thank you, mm-hmm. Brandon, for having yeah. me today. Yeah, you bet. Um, we do... Uh, a bunch of videos online that we help um, educate owners and to help bring them more value, to teach them what they can be looking for, to help uh, alleviate loss and reduce their liabilities. Um, we just try to really get out there and tell people that this service is available and that we can help them get through it. We could actually just take it all off their plate if you know you like that. That's what I like, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and just get the mailbox money and go about your life the way you yeah. want to because running a business, which, you know, owning a property is a business as a hobby is destined to fail. And if you bought a house as an investment and you'd like to, you have a financial goal that you'd like, you should treat it as a business and as a real intentional goal, instead of just saying, "Ah, I'll just, you know, call the maintenance guy on my lunch hour, you know, or I'll get to that on the weekend. So, yeah. And you know, that's where you, that's really is where you hear so many of those horror stories of like, and then it, it as, as people hear those things, it's a real barrier to entry for people in a, in an, in a legitimate, um, vehicle to financial freedom in real estate is like, they hear that and they're like, I don't want to deal with the 2am toilet call. Like, I don't want to mm-hmm. deal with that. It's like, you don't have to, like you, you can, you can set it up so that you don't have to. And it's, it's just interesting how how many people stop right there. They're just like, I don't. I've I heard, you know, my next door neighbor was a landlord, and he was always running out and and behind and fixing the the cabinets and. Doesn't he have to chose be that, that. Yeah, that's right. He chose right. that. His time was probably worth more than what he did that right. for. He probably could have got right. somebody totally. else to do it cheaper. Yeah, and totally. that's we coach um, owners through that. A lot of the accidentals we're we we have to have that conversation over and over again because they mm-hmm. they really don't believe or they haven't really heard about the value of their own time. Sure. So if you yep. know how much your time is worth per hour, and let me tell you, it's not what's on your paycheck that you get from your employer. Right. Right. Um, it's it's what you know, what you can do when you're not doing that one thing and how much mm. you can move the needle to get to your goal. Yeah, I love it. Um, so, I, you know, I love, Janet, hearing more of your story and your background and how it sounds like a lot of your experience that has now helped you build this business and be where you are now is a lot of field experience. Like you just went and did it. You were stuffing envelopes, you were putting signs in the ground. Um, and one question I really like to ask all my guests is what, what one of the most valuable things or the most valuable thing that you've done in your real estate education. So that as people are intaking, people are coming to podcasts, they're listening, they're trying to educate themselves, just get an insight into how successful people have educated themselves. Um, I have a feeling yours is going to be more practical, but talk, talk to me through that. Like how, how, how have, what have you done that's been helpful for your education to get you where you are? I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in education. No, I'm just mm. kidding. No. <laughs> no. Like, okay. No, no. You, I mean, no. in real estate, you could do that. There's gurus you can, out there. You can, but so, don't. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Listen right. to podcasts. Listen right. to podcasts. Go pick out some books. Go join some um, some organizations. Go get on Facebook and look up some real estate investing groups. Um, join some other entrepreneurs in your area. If you want to start your own business, start looking for business coaches. When you want to do something, you go look for people who have already done what you want. That's right. You partner with them and you let them teach you. Um, you pull each other up by constantly striving to go farther. So mm-hmm. um, I read a lot. Um, I've 
So a couple of years ago, I started reading and then probably two or three years in a row, I've doubled my amount of hours. Um, it's a couple of books a month on business books. Um, I listen to investing podcasts. Uh, so it's a lot of self-education. You, mm-hmm. you just constantly devour books and listen to people and ask questions, ask questions, yeah. get good at asking questions. Yeah, that's right. Get a, get an understanding of what it is that you're asking, be targeted with what you're asking. And then as you, you know, one thing that I found is helpful because I hear so often from so many people, my um, guests and otherwise, like if I'm asking for advice on how to take the next step, it's um, surround yourself with the right people, put the right yes. people around you. And if you're understanding what the right questions are to ask, then that time can be useful. That time with those people, you know, make sure that the, t- that the time you're spending with them can be helpful. So like mm-hmm. have specific questions to ask, know what, know what those people's background and expertise is and, and ask them about it. Cause most people, to be honest, want to be helpful, but yes. they're not going to come to the table with all these ways they can, they're looking for you. They're looking like, yeah. all right, great. I have experience. I'm so willing to share it. What do you want to know? Yeah. And so you knowing need to what know. right questions. Yeah, yeah. If you don't know your North star or your end goal, you can't articulate what you want. You don't have to know like the road to get there. You just have to know your destination and where you are and then start asking questions. And then a good question to ask is, you know, what don't I know about this? What don't I see? And am I asking the right question? Because this is what I want. How can you help me? Yep, exactly. I love it. Um, Okay. Well, here's, here's my last question for you. Um, Let's go back to kind of where you were Let's talk about when you were first um, integrating yourself and in, in, into the business more and began running it yourself. Let's go back to like that version of yourself. And I would uh-huh. love to hear, I would love to hear from you what you could teach kind of that version of yourself that would save you the most trouble over the then subsequent years. What, what would be that one piece of advice you could give yourself? Oh, ask questions sooner, act yeah. sooner. Um, yeah. yeah, running the business early on, stepping into it. Uh, you're never prepared when you step into a job. There's nobody who's ready to be a CEO when they step into that yeah. position. It just yeah. doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, well, not entrepreneurs anyway, that's for right. sure. Right. So <laughs> I think just being brave enough to ask questions, to be able to be humble enough to say that I don't know, to, to know that you don't know what it looks like, but to realize that you're missing something and to start reaching out for help. Um, I think one of the biggest things that really helped me was um, going to get a business coach, getting a business Mm. coach. um, Not only did they help me like learn about frameworks and stuff, um, they really were a great facilitator of connections for me. And that was something that I didn't have. So if you don't have a network already and you don't know how to enter that and you're not like somebody who's super outgoing, (laughs) this is all learned. I couldn't do this a couple of years ago. Um, So they really help facilitate that. And that's what I would say is just push yourself to grow, push yourself out of boundaries. If it feels scary, if it feels uncomfortable, it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm, Do not mm -hmm. be comfortable. Do not Mm -hmm. sit still. Yeah. I love it. That's awesome. I'm uh, I, I couldn't agree with that more. I love the concept of pushing yourself and being uncomfortable, always stretching, always growing. Um, I think that you, I love surrounding myself with people who are, who are doing just that because it, you know, obviously motivates me to do the same. Uh, well, Jana, I really appreciate your time today. This was invaluable. Like I said, this is kind of my headspace right now. Like this is what I'm thinking through is how to, how to manage properties. Do I want to be the one managing it? Do I want to hire out? So this is all just really valuable. And I know lots of my listeners are in the exact same position, figuring out if they're trying to do one for the first time or they have some and they feel overwhelmed and like, are there people out there that can help? And so really great hearing you break that down. Thank you so much. Yeah. Give us a call at Oak Trust Properties. We're here for you. Um, It's no pressure. You just start asking questions. Start calling some management companies and ask all the questions you can. 
Awesome. Yeah, I was going to ask where people can find you if they, you know, li- liked what you had to hear. Oaktrustproperties.com. Is that what you said? Yeah, oaktrustproperties.com. We're on okay. LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and we're on TikTok as well. Okay. Awesome. Sweet. <laughs> I'll let, yeah. And I'll put those, I'll put those links in the blog post when I post the episode to go live. So thank people you. Can check it out there too. Awesome. Well, again, Janet, thank you so much for taking the time today. I appreciate it so much. Awesome. I appreciate you having me. Thank you, Brandon. Right. Thanks. Bye-bye. If you guys enjoy the show, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. That actually helps a lot to get the podcast out there as people are looking for helpful real estate investing resources online. You can also like our Facebook page to keep up to date with new episodes as they publish. And don't forget to subscribe through whatever podcast player that you use. If you have questions about a specific topic that we covered, or if you have a suggestion about another area that you'd like to see me dig into, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please reach out. I'd love to get in touch. You can email me at brandon at realestatefortherestofus.com. Thanks so much for joining me today, guys. One show at a time, we'll work to make real estate investing accessible for the rest of us.